goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. All right, welcome in. Welcome back, Golden Homers and Notre Dame fans alike. We are back. Football, it's a football week, Nathan. Uh, it, it feels good to say that. You know, just because it's a spring game, there's Notre Dame is playing football in just a few days. I couldn't be more excited. I'm Mason Plummer here, joined by my co-host, Nathan Erbach. Nathan, I mean, it's not quite a game week, but it's as close as we're going to get for a few months. Yeah, and according to some people, it might be the last one we have, at least under the realm of Marcus Freeman. So I don't know if you were listening to the Irish Illustrated podcast, but it looks like he might be wanting to step away from, you know, from a game um, or a blue and gold game and maybe just add an extra practice. I know some schools do that. I don't necessarily hate the idea, but, you know, maybe maybe it's a, a just another way to take in this maybe – I guess last blue and gold game, blue and gold game of sorts. So should be interesting for sure. I did hear that, and it's kind of making me reevaluate my plans. Uh, I've got some stuff going on tomorrow night, but I was planning on heading up to South Bend early Saturday morning. But the weather's kind of throwing a wrench in my plans, so I don't really know what I'm going to do. I don't want to make that drive up there. I'm given it's only three hours. I know a lot of people would kill to be that close to Notre Dame. I get that, but do I want to make that drive and for a short weekend where it's going to be? you know, mid forties and potentially rainy, but if it's the last blue and gold game and there's a lot of guys that I want to see and that Nathan wants to see, we're going to get into that in the second half of the show. Uh, both of our top five guys that we're most excited to see in this potentially last blue and gold game. Um, yeah. You know, I'm kind of reevaluating as we're sitting here thinking about whether or not I should go. So I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that as we get moving, but Nathan, um, this is a big, I'm going to tee you up here because I'm admittedly not the biggest basketball guy. And you give me a lot of my basketball knowledge. Um, Julian Roper transferred from Northwestern coming into Notre Dame, the first edition in the Micah Shrewsbury era. That's going to be a great trivia question down the line. Can I give us some, uh, give us some info on, on Roper and what he brings to Notre Dame. Yeah, so, I mean, the stats don't stick out, right? You know, he's a two-year guy at Northwestern. Great like, way to start it. <laughs> uh, play, well, I, I, it was going to tee it up to kind of start bad to end up, to end up, end up good, right? Mm. Um, I, I think it's one of those things you got to go beyond, like, the those traditional stat lines, I guess is what I'm really getting at. So you look at his points per game, his rebounds per game, stuff like that, and you're like, okay, what, what kind of player is this? He was playing at Northwestern. Obviously, Northwestern was a really good program uh, last year, um, not traditionally per se. Um, but he came in as a top 150-ish player in the country um, as, a, as a high school recruit, started 15 games, I think, as a freshman. You know, I think played the entire season, you know, 30, 30 odd games, whatever it was. And then this year he only played in like 14 games and got hurt, uh, I think. From what I heard, he actually was playing most of the season with an ankle injury, and then he kind of shut it down, and then obviously ultimately decided to transfer. Um, but when you look at his production from year one to year two, the points per game and stuff like that didn't necessarily go up, but the um, the percentages went up. He was a much better free th uh, three-point shooter, a much better shooter just in general from a percentage standpoint, um, and was starting to look like a pretty prominent player. Good athlete. Um, good defender and it looks like Micah Shrewsbury is certainly gonna um, 
rely on defense a lot more than maybe Mike Bray did bringing guys that are known good defenders. I think he's going to bring in big, big men. I mean, you see it with Kerry Booth and Keba, uh, Keba G as guys that I think might end up in this uh, on the Notre Dame roster for next season. Those are guys that aren't traditionally um, on Notre Dame's roster for basketball um, from a, from a talent perspective and what they kind of bring to the table. So, um, but kind of with, with Roper, I mean, I think he's just going to be a really good value add. And I think by the time his career's over, um, you know, people are going to see that that was a really good, a, re- a really good first commitment of sorts. Like you, like you mentioned a good trivia question down the road. Yeah. I admittedly don't know a ton about him, but I've been kind of looking into it ever since, you know, you had texted me or maybe in a group chat that, you know, saying this is going to be a possibility. So I've watched a little bit of his game. I wasn't necessarily blown away, but there's not that many guys entering the portal that you're going to be blown away by. Notre Dame just needs bodies, to be honest, and especially solid ones that can be contributors. So I think that's what Roper is going to be. Um, another little housekeeping item before we, Nathan and I get to our top five guys we're excited to see uh, in the blue and gold game. Lorenzo Styles switching positions. That's a guy that Nathan and I were super high on when he was coming into Notre Dame as a receiver. Um, he didn't get to play a ton as a freshman, but he looked good in the spurts that he did uh, coming out of the game against Oklahoma State. He looked great. And then last year, first play of the season looks awesome. And then it was only downhill from there in terms of him playing wide receiver. It seemed like focus or his hands were an issue. He was dropping a lot of passes. And it seems like I, I don't know how official it's going to be that it seems like he's going to be a full-time corner. It seems like they've beat around the bush in terms of the press conferences, but um, he was interviewed with the cornerbacks. He's been spotted multiple times playing corner. So excited to see him Saturday play corner. If that's, if that is uh, actually what ends up happening, Nathan, what are your initial thoughts on, on styles? I mean, it doesn't look like he's in a spot to really be an impact contributor on either side of the ball at the moment. So what does this mean for him? Yeah, I mean, I almost put him in my top five for the spring uh, guys to kind of look at just because it's intriguing, but I ultimately decided against it. And, you know, talking with you off air, I think it's partly because, you know, they don't necessarily want to expose him, but also, you know, even though he's not new to the position per se, it has been a couple years since he's played it. So, you know, it's going to give it some time to kind of let everything sink in. But um, it's weird, man, his recruitment, I, I think me and you both agreed on this, that if Notre Dame really, really needed corners and he really, really wanted to play corner, you know, coming into college, I probably would have preferred him at corner, but I also liked him a lot at wide receiver. That was a big reason why Notre Dame was able to land him over a school like Ohio State is because he wanted that opportunity to play wide receiver. And during that freshman season, he looked like a great, like he was going to be the next great wide receiver at Notre Dame. And then things have kind of just sort of gone downhill since. And part of that, I think, is he's just not very natural at catching the football. And, you know, what, what's the old uh, what's the old adage? If you can't catch and you're a receiver, you move to corner, right? So um, that probably plays a little bit of a role there. Um, but I think, you know, you can probably start to see some more confidence um, in him if he's able to get on the field this year or maybe even be like a two-year a two guy where, you know, I doubt he red shirts, which is the unfortunate thing because that means he only has one more year of eligibility. But you know, let's just say he's a backup corner this year. And then that turns into, you know, taking over for Cam Hart or something like that next year. And it, and it turns out to be a, you know, Styles and Benjamin Morrison um, duo. That's, that's really good. Then we're going to look back on his career a lot better than we are right now. Yeah, no doubt. I think either way, this is going to be a learning curve, whether it's, you know, learning to get back comfortable at receiver, which doesn't look like it's going to be the case anymore, or if it's going to be, you know, essentially learning, out of play corner in college, he was a standout 
athlete, for lack of a better term, I guess, in high school on both sides of the ball. But we, in a way, we knew that the hands were going to be an issue or were an issue, but they could be worked on. Uh, it just wasn't clear whether he wasn't a natural catcher of the ball, like you mentioned, or if they were focus drops. And to be honest, I think last season is a little bit of both. I think he was lacking confidence, maybe a little bit of focus in his own head. And then when you don't have the best, when, you, when your hands aren't necessarily the strength of your game, his, his, the strength is when he already has the ball in his hands, making people miss. And, uh, you know, he's a quick athlete. So that's tough. And, you know, you, you're hitting the nail on the head right there where, the guys that are playing receiver but can't necessarily catch you move to corner because that a lot of those skills that skill set transfers over well. So he kind of reminds me. He kind of reminds me of Xavier Watts in that sense. Like Xavier okay. Watts was also a guy that you know was a a guy that Notre Dame liked at safety, liked at wide receiver coming in. A big reason why he came to Notre Dame was because they kind of gave him the opportunity to play wide receiver to start. And obviously, it's safety versus corner. But I think most people, when you looked at the film, you're like, man, this this guy can be a really, really good safety. And in Lorenzo Styles' case, they're like, man, this guy can be an All-American, you know, corner, an NFL corner. And I think he spoke to it as well, saying, you know, he comes from kind of a defensive family. So it's kind of funny how, like, now both of them have transi- transitioned to defense, or at least in Styles' case, most likely transitioning full-time to defense. And we're expecting big things from Watts this year at safety, and Notre Dame's going to need it. So um, kind of interesting in that sense that both of them are now at now at, um, on the defensive side of the ball full time. So in terms of the wide receiver position, this to me, my first thoughts on it where I don't know if Styles is going to have a huge role anyways, but this this speaks to the confidence that the staff has in the three incoming freshmen. Then you have, I guess we can call him Caleb Smith now, KK Smith, yeah. now that the other Caleb Smith is gone. But I think it speaks to the confidence or at least the – they're impressed by what they've seen from the three freshmen in great house, uh, Rico Flores, and then Braylon James. I don't know if all three will necessarily contribute right away, but even Caleb Smith retiring from football and then styles moving positions, you have to feel good about where you're at there. I don't know if they'll necessarily go into the portal to look for somebody like another body, but they have to feel good where they're at with the three freshmen. You have to imagine they like what they have in KK slash Caleb Smith, and moving forward, you're just hoping for big breakout years and, or maybe even in Colsey's case, continuing that ascending breakout. And then everybody's really hoping for a huge year from Tobias Merriweather. That a lot of love for him uh, in terms of practice reports. So it's uh, so a little bit of a spoiler. He was absolutely – he was number one on the guys I'm most excited to see uh, in my top five. So <laughs> I ruined my number one again. But um, Tobias Merriweather is just that dude, and I think he's going to have an awesome year. Nathan, how do you think this impacts wide receiver position and where do they kind of go from here? Yeah, it's certainly interesting because now you go from, you know, last year we were really upset with the depth. We were also kind of upset with the talent perspective as well. But um, from a depth perspective, you know, this year having, what, 10 guys or so looked a lot better. And now they're sort of down to eight. Um, But then you kind of bring Chris Tyree into the fold. And I'm, I'm trying to do the numbers in my head real quick. I can probably pull it up if I have some time. Um, but I don't know if they have, they have around eight or nine guys with Tyree and, um, you know, there's been a lot of rumors that they're only going to bring in three players in this recruiting class in 2024. I am curious now to maybe they bump that up to, to four guys instead of three, um, with, with styles moving over. But at the same time, now Tyree has two years to play wide receiver and, to be completely honest with you, going into this spring, I in my head, I kind of was like, okay, Tyree, regardless of, you know, 
him playing running back or not, I think he only has one year at Notre Dame and he either tries the NFL because he's a, you know, he's a speed guy and might be able to impress at the combine and stuff like that. Or he transfers out to try to be the number one running back for another program. But now if he can really take to the slot position at Notre Dame, you have him for two years, which is great. Um, you know, and you'll have a, a, a huge speed threat there, a, a veteran, a guy that's been around the program for a long time. And so that certainly helps, but, uh, but yeah, and I mean, going back and I don't want to spoil too much of what I'm, we're going to be talking about later. I'm, I'm probably going to bring up some of the freshman wide receivers in mine as well. It's not my number might be my number one. I'm not going to give it away <laughs> just yet. Yeah, I can't believe I did it again. I, I said <laughs> off air, I'm not going to give away my number one and I did it again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think it speaks volumes to Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse and maybe Braylon James a little less so for this season, but, um, and then obviously we'll see where KK Smith ends up on the depth chart when he comes in. Cause you know, Benjamin Morrison at this time last year, no one was talking about him cause he was still technically in high school um, and not an early enrollee. So who knows, maybe KK Smith's the best of the bunch when he comes in and can provide a role for Notre Dame that we're not necessarily expecting yet. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think the switch of styles probably has more to do with getting him in a position to be a good football player at Notre Dame. Um, but it also, I don't think they make the switch if they don't feel comfortable with the wide receiver position as is. Yeah. Cause I remember there was a, there was a quote from Stucky last year where they were obviously low on bodies and they were just talking about what is your ideal number uh, in terms of receivers. And he said 10 and they had right. 10 and now, now they don't. So be curious to see what the process is from here going forward. But if you have eight guys, you feel like you can rely on, then, you know, I feel like that's, that's an all right number, but you might end up playing just about all of them. Yeah. And it looks like it, I just counted. It looks like it is nine once Smith comes in the summer. So at least from a body perspective, um, going into next season from a scholarship perspective, I should say they have nine and maybe they have a, a walk on guy that they, that they like more than, you know, we're expecting or something like that, that can contribute on special teams and so on and so forth. Is that nine with KK Smith and Salerno? Yes. Nine with Smith and Salerno. Salerno doesn't count. So, <laughs> okay. um, so we're at, we're at seven without KK Smith and we're not counting Matt Salerno. Um, moving forward. Big football recruiting weekend, biggest in quite a while, kind of the, the who's who um, of Notre Dame targets in this 2024 class will be in attendance for the blue and gold game and spend most of their weekend in South Bend. Nathan, do you kind of have a, you know, kind of a top group that you're really looking at? I just saw that one of the, one of the guys that I was super excited about um, in terms of guys, I think Notre Dame must land. He's a guy that I hit on uh, as one of my top five Kingston uh, I'm really struggling with his name, Viliamo Asa, I believe. It sounds like he has confirmed that he will be in South Bend. That's one I'm excited about. Is there anybody yeah. that stands out for you that uh, that'll be in South Bend Saturday? Well, I think the unfortunate part right now is that a guy like Gerby Lambert and Benedict Dume, um, those were two big names. It looks like they're not going to be in attendance, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. It looks like in both cases, they're trying to reschedule. There's maybe some, you know, some issues in terms of, getting there from a financial standpoint and different things like that. And obviously Justin Scott does not look like he's going to be there. So though that puts a little bit of a downer on the weekend, but again, a downer to bring things up here. Um, I'm excited about a lot of guys. I mean, I think everybody knows who follows our podcast or follows me on Twitter specifically, how high I am on TJ Lindsay. Um, he's confirmed to be there this weekend. I think he should, if he's not their top target on the defensive line, he's certainly right there. And I think he should be, 
um, a high priority target for them. Getting Styles Prescott back for the second week in a row. Um, you know, I don't want to hint at anything, but I think we might be getting some, you know, some nice news there soon. Um, yeah, read the tea leaves, right? Back to back visits. In-state yeah, kid. exactly. In, yeah, exactly. In-state kid. Mason's going to attend every single one of his football games this year. Everyone, dude. I'm, so. I'm decked out in, in his high school's <laughs> gear, dude. I'm lit. Yeah, exactly. So um, him coming back, I think, is big. Uh, let's see. I, I, lo- I love the idea that they're bringing in a bunch of safeties. I don't really know what their safety board looks like right now, but they just had, you know, Marquise Gallegos and Kennedy Erlacher on campus. Um, over the last several weeks, but now they're bringing in Justin Denson, who can play corner, can play, you know, can play safety. They're bringing in uh, Davis Andrews. They're bringing in Oliver Miles, um, who I was actually talking off air to uh, Kyle Kelly about this earlier today. Um, and I, I kind of told him, I was like, I think Oliver Miles is sort of their Brandon Hillman like this is our baby recruit this year. Cause he's not, he, he's unranked. He doesn't even have a profile picture up on 24 seven sports. You look at his offer list and Notre Dame definitely stands out on his offer list. Um, but from Texas and they've done a really good job in recent years of just recruiting that state in general um, and getting some, you know, some low profile guys that have done well, like a KK Smith, for example. And I think Oliver miles could be next in line um, for that. If then, you know, I think that they probably lead for a lot of those guys too. Um, who else? I mean, Dewan Lane. I don't know if he's going to be on campus for the blue and Bo- blue and gold game, but he put that, he put out a, I think a story on his Instagram that he's going to be there. Mason, I think, you know, how I always have like my notes and I have a, a guy that, or I have like the target list for Notre Dame and I, I will yeah. add and subtract guys as, you know, I don't know how you keep up with that. Right. And Dewan, I, I will like, I won't, I won't always find out exactly if they're a top target or not. Like I'm not going to sit there and text Tom or text whoever and find out if they're, Hey, is this guy like, is it, should I remove him? But sometimes, like you said, just read the tea leaves on different things. Yeah. Well, I'll remove guys at my own discretion. Cause I'm like, okay, this guy hasn't been to campus. It's, you know, he's been to plenty of other places. Like there's like, there's no shot. He's going to end up at Notre Dame. And earlier this morning, I removed Dewan Lane from Notre Dame's target list on my on my notes. And then he tweets out or puts out that he's going to Notre Dame or that he's on Notre Dame's campus. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to add him real quick again because you kind of have to, right? Yeah. Um, and then kind of moving forward on that, like Cole Mullins, who was just on campus, I did not remove him, but he was a guy that I was like, kind of like, okay, we're going to find out in the next couple of days if he's someone that I should remove from Notre Dame's list or not. And then Tom Loy puts in a crystal ball for him, and it looks like that could be trending very positively here, um, and maybe even something to look forward uh, forward to here in the next couple of weeks. So um, those are definitely, I mean, a, a few of the guys that are on campus. I mean, there's obviously a lot of 2025 guys. We don't necessarily have to get into all of them just yet, but some big names there. Uh, Bodie Cahoon in the 2024 class at linebacker coming back for a second, you know, not the second straight week, like a style styles Prescott, but he was just on campus. You know, I think it was in like late March or whatever it was. So I'm um, getting him on campus as a top linebacker target um, for the second straight time or the, you know, the second time in as many months is a big deal. And then arguably Notre Dame's top wide receiver target left on the board. Isaiah Canyon's going to be on campus as well. So um, we'll see how that goes. And then I guess we probably should mention Bryce Young too because uh he's notre dame legacy recruit i think they're going to try hard to get his maybe his firm commitment here in the next couple of weeks so a, a lot of big names even with some of those other names not attending like they were supposed to 
Yeah, with Young, another perfect example of, I mean, there he's a he's a legacy, but also just read the visits and. I, I feel okay saying this because Tom does this stuff on purpose, but if you guys are subscribed to like an Irish illustrated or something like that, read the way or whoever you subscribe to read the way that they word things. And then what happens after that, and then just kind of figure things out for yourself. So it's on purpose. Tom words things. Uh, hopefully he's listening. I'm going to get a text about this. He <laughs> words, he words things purposefully so that if you're paying attention, you know what's going on. He's saying things without saying them. That's all. I'm, that's what I'm going to leave it at. Um, Nathan, let's get to a couple ads real quick. And on the other side, we'll get to our top five guys we are most excited to see in the blue and gold game. The Golden Homers are a proud sponsor of Homes for Troops, a publicly funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans. Since its inception in 2004, nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent has gone directly to our program services for veterans. Visit at hfotusa.org. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the second half of the show, the moment you've been all been waiting for. We're going to break down our top five guys we are most excited to watch, current Notre Dame players and the blue and gold game. Um, the blue and gold game is a little bit different in the sense that you're not going to see the star guys play a ton. You're, you know, the guys that maybe get injured, you know, you don't want to see them get injured before the season starts and have something crazy happen. We saw it happen with Jadarian Price. Logan Diggs went down last year as well. Uh before the blue and gold game, Tyler Buckner lost a fight with the stairs. These kind of things happen. So you try to avoid injuries at all costs. Um, you're not going to see estimated Diggs carry the ball very much. One guy you will see who is on my list. I'm going to just kick it off here, Nathan Jabron Payne. I'd imagine he's on yours as well. The number one pick in the, in the blue and gold draft today. Jabron Payne's going to get a lot of work. We haven't seen him play hardly at all for Notre Dame. He's the third or fourth running back on the list. And I just want to see what he has. Uh, it depends on how Jadarian Price heals up, but Diggs and Estime have that one-two spot locked down. Um, I'm really curious to see what we have in Payne. He was kind of a late take and maybe a guy that people didn't expect to get a lot of playing time, but he's been getting rave reviews out of spring practice so far. He has that burst. He has a different kind of body type and different kind of skill set, so he's going to get extensive work to really prove himself. And I, personally, I'm really excited to see him. Yeah, he was my number five, so we're on the same page there. Well, go ahead and hit him. Um, what's up? Go ahead and we'll just we'll both bang out our number five together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you mentioned him being a late late take. I mean, he's about as late as it gets. I mean, he asked yeah. out of his NIL with Indiana and um or NLI, sorry, NIL. <laughs> Name image likeness is all in the brain these days. Um, no kidding. But no, I mean, he asked out of his national letter of intent with, you know, Indiana when, you know, I think Dylan McCullough was technically the guy who recruited him in Indiana. He came to Notre Dame and, you know, kind of the rest is history in that regard. But, but yeah, no, I mean, he, you pretty much said everything I was going to say when in regards to why, you know, why should we be excited about him? I mean, first of all, he's probably going to play the entire game or close to it. Um, it will be really the first action we've seen out of him and, you know, he was a four-star guy, has some talent. McCullough seems to really like him. Um, he might be more of a speed threat than some of the guys that are, you know, the the main source of of running the football for Notre Dame, like Audric Estime, Logan Diggs. Um, you know, probably even throw Jadarian Price in there. I mean, I think Payne from just from a 
you know, a, a straight 40 yard perspective or something like that might be the fastest um, and have the most breakaway speed. So that's always fun. Um, it looks like he's catching the ball out of the backfield. Well, according to some reports, so maybe he can be a guy that's, you know, kind of has a third down niche sort of role for them in clear passing situations this year. So I'm um, excited to see what he can kind of bring and see if he's a guy that we're looking forward to next year or, or if he's going to transfer out of the program or something like that and find a place to play. I think one way or another, Saturday will be very telling. And hopefully it's it's positive. But regardless, it's going to be very telling as as we look forward to Payne's career. Nathan, go ahead and hit, uh, hit it off with your number four. Yeah, my number four uh, is actually Tyler Buckner. Ooh. Didn't get to play last year in the spring game. Obviously, you said he... He said he lost the fight with the stairs. We've all yep. done that in our lifetime. We've all done that a time or two, not necessarily had to miss an important, you know, an outing because of it per se, but, uh, um, but we've all done it, but uh, yeah, I would in Buckner's case. I mean, we've, we've heard throughout camp that he's arguably been better than Sam Hartman. Right. So I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to tell people that Buckner is going to win the competition and be the starting quarterback come, you know, whatever it is, week zero against uh, against Navy in Dublin, nor am I saying that he should uh, be that guy, but it's, if he can look like the guy that we all thought he was going to be out of high school and, you know, be behind Hartman this year, and then we have a lot of confidence in him as the starting quarterback the next couple seasons, or at least fighting for it the next couple seasons when you have guys like Minchie and Clark sort of breathing down his neck as well. Um, throw Angeli into there as well because I think he's a talented player. If he's, but not, you know, they're not all going to be in the in the QB room, uh, QB room move, moving forward probably. So, um, but no, I mean, I think Buckner's an ultra talented guy. I think right now he's competitive. He's sort of the underdog, and you know, I want to see how he performs in uh, in the blue and gold game versus Sam Hartman, and we'll we'll see what where the competition goes from there. Do you think Buckner kind of relishes that underdog role now that he has it? I think I think most competitors do, right? He has nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. And I, mean, I think that like speaks to why he's just winging it in practice. Not that I've seen this firsthand, but reading the same reports everybody else is that he's just winging the ball and playing with confidence. He doesn't have anything to lose. He doesn't have to necessarily be the guy. But, you know, playing with this added confidence is just showing the staff a lot about him. I think that's super important. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to my number four, uh, it's X. Xavier Watts, the safety. He's not going to hopefully not laying out any big hits necessarily like we know he's prone to do, but I'm excited to see him play a safety because there's been great reports about him so far this spring, but also Notre Dame needs him to break out so badly. I'm funny. I mean, I think safety is the thinnest and weakest position group probably on the team and to have a baller like X breakout would be awesome. I think everybody you know, he's a very popular pick as a breakout guy just because it makes a lot of sense combined with the reports. But I just want to see it actually happen. Um, like I said, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be laying anybody out across the middle of the field. But if I could see some good pass breakups, I don't know if I necessarily want to see interceptions um, because, I mean, the quarterbacks are throwing interceptions. But if X is the one catching him, I mean, I, I would like to see him have some good ball hawking skills. I felt like last year, whether it was – wasn't confidence in where he's supposed to be or if the ball skills just weren't there at safety, but I felt like he could have had a couple more interceptions last year and they just didn't necessarily happen, whether he wasn't in the right position or just lack of hands. I don't know, but either way, I think he's going to be an impact contributor for Notre Dame this year. And this is to be our, our first real taste of him getting an extended look at safety and being the dude. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't actually have him on my list. So, but I echo a lot of the, I just don't think he's going to play a lot, to be honest with you. Probably not. So, they can't afford him to get hurt. Right. Exactly. So, um, Shoot, I didn't think of that. But I think, you know, I think, you know, my thoughts on him. I mean, I'm, I'm high on him. I think that, you know, he could make the safety position a lot better this year than maybe we're thinking just because of how good he can be. So, yep. if that's the case, then. You know, hopefully we get a little bit of a taste of that in the blue and gold game before, you know, before they move on to, you know, younger guys and walk-ons and stuff like that in the second half. Right. You, you want to go ahead and move on to your number three? You want me to do mine? Yep. Sweet. Uh, Jason Anye. Nice. We've talked a lot. of. I mean, he's been another guy that's sort of been the darling of spring camp, right? And Notre Dame needs bodies on the defensive line and more so than just bodies. They need talented bodies. And Jason Anye is now in his third year in the program. Um, a guy that I think coming in, we, you know, we knew he was a three-star project, but we knew he was a three-star project with a, a crap ton of upside if he could reach it. And it looks like it's starting to click for him in camp. You know, he's starting to piece together multiple good practices in a row, multiple good reps in a row. And looks like he's going to be a contributor for Notre Dame along the interior defensive line. And I'd love to see just in the blue and gold game, what others are talking about in the practice settings. So um, Jason Anye being my number three guy. I mean, I, I want to see a guy that is pushing guys like Riley Mills and pushing guys like, you know, Howard Cross and Gabriel Rubio to, you know, to not only be an impactful uh you know, backup option who gets, you know, 10 reps a game. I want to see maybe a guy that's pushing first for a starting spot possibly. Yeah. I could never have too much defensive line depth. And to be totally honest, I didn't know if it was going to happen for Anya. And he was pretty open about that in his press conference as well. Um, I'm loving how open Freeman is with letting media talk to the players, but you know, he was just saying, this is kind of make it or break it for me. And it needs to happen. And it seems like it's happening. So happy for him. You always want to see guys, you know, kind of make it, making their dream at Notre Dame. And um, it, it can be discouraging if you don't play your first, you know, one or two years. And it certainly looks like he's in line for playing time. So he didn't quite crack my list, but he's definitely somebody I'm going to be looking out for. Hopefully he's making some impact plays. Um, moving on to my number three, it's JJB sticking on the defensive line, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Um, I, I've seen him play at Ohio State, not necessarily extensively, but Notre Dame needs – talent on the defensive line to break out similar to what you said in Anya and you bring in a transfer from Ohio state that was, you know, a pretty high recruit or highly rated recruit. And I want to see him do his thing for Notre Dame. So what is he able to do against the ones or even the twos on, on the, uh, on the offensive line? Is he able to get through a Joe all to Blake Fisher? Cause that's what, those are the kind of guys he's going to be going against. I mean, I don't think there's any, tackle tandem in the country necessarily better than Alton Fisher but if you're able to make up some ground and maybe push them around a little bit then you're gonna be able to do it against anybody so I'd like to see him just be more than serviceable I want him I want to see him make some impact plays and show that he's worthy of a starting spot and he was worthy of transferring into Notre Dame I think maybe he comes in with a chip on his shoulder that he couldn't get on the field as much as he wanted to at Ohio state. And this is kind of his second chance to really be an impact rusher for Notre Dame and Notre Dame needs him badly. Yeah. He's another guy for me. I didn't have him on my list, but certainly shout out. I mean, kind of the same reason as Watts is I'm just not a hundred percent sure he's going to play a lot during the game, but at the same time, it, it would be nice to see a few plays out of him where he uses his length. And like you said, maybe beats a Joe Alder, or Blake Fisher before they're all, 
before they're all out of the game. But for him, it's he's a guy that I want to see on uh, what, 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 what day is their first game? I know it's week zero against Navy in Dublin, but do we know, do we know a date? I forget off the top of my head. Um, I want to say it's the last week of August. Okay. The last Saturday in August. Well, that last Saturday of August is where I want to see him show up. And that's, I guess that's why I didn't yeah. really put him in the blue and gold, but I, if he has two sacks week one against Navy and, you know, I know it's Navy, but if he looks good week one, then that that's when I really want to see a guy like that. And, uh, um, but it doesn't hurt, like you said, if he beats Joe Alt nicely for a for a sack or something like that, then you know that that's certainly a storyline in in the blue and gold game. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, certainly excited to see him. I I get that he probably won't play a lot, but maybe in the little bit that he does, I just want to see some burst. Uh, Nathan, I think who, he was a good you... name to bring up though because of the fact that we we haven't seen him. Like, yeah, I think that's why you brought him up. It's just the fact that exactly. he is a transfer and it's different than like, I don't know if you have Jordan Battelle on your list. I don't personally have Jordan Battelle on my list, but he's another guy that I'm just like, I want to see him on Saturdays in the fall. I've seen him enough in practice. I've seen him enough in games. I want to see consistency in the fall, but at least for, you know, in Baptiste's defense or in your defense for putting him on the list, it's, you know, he is a transfer and we just haven't seen him play. Yeah, no doubt. Um, actually, since you said that, I'll just go ahead and do my number two. It is Batello, and I want to see him play for a lot of the. <laughs> I want to see him play for a lot of the same reasons as Gene uh, Baptiste. So I just want to see it happen. I want to see him do his thing. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to rehash on the same stuff, but Notre Dame needs contributors on the defensive line. He needs to be that guy. Doesn't I don't need to see him at his peak necessarily. I just want to see that he can be a guy that's not going to get pushed around by Alton Fisher or wherever he's at. I need to see him make a couple plays and I feel a lot better heading into week zero. I have a feeling we probably have the same number one. I could be off, but I do. I have a feeling our number one's the same. I think Uh, I already ruined it. So, you know, Oh crap. Yeah. No, I forgot. So there you go. Perfect. Um, My, my number two, I actually kind of lumped two guys together here, but they're the same position group and it's uh, Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler. Mm. we Ziggler's kind of another guy sort of like Anya sort of been the darling of camp a lot of people say he's pushing you know Prince Colley for the starting position obviously Prince Colley's not playing due to a concussion but who knows where his what, what his story is when it comes to Notre Dame is he going to transfer to Vanderbilt and go with Clark Lee is he going to stay at Notre Dame whatever it may be I guess that remains to be seen right now um, but guys like Ziggler pushing for time is sort of a blessing in disguise because maybe Collie's just not for whatever reason, it's just not clicking at Notre Dame for, you know, we know he's a talented player, but you know, if you can't, if you can't do certain things, you're just not going to see the, you know, see the field. And so if a guy like Ziggler's pushing him and already, you know, pushing to be, you know, a one, a one, a one B, you know, starter, or at least a really, really good number two, um, then that's great. And I think obviously me and you both really liked him coming out of high school. We thought he could play multiple positions, safety linebacker, probably even edge rusher if need be. And um, it looks like a guy that's really settling into the linebacker position. Um, and we just haven't seen him play really. He's a freshman last year. Didn't, you know, he redshirted. So seeing him in the blue and gold game and, you know, running around making plays, probably playing a lot more than some of these other guys. Um, I'm excited. And then, you know, in, in the same, I guess in the same breath, Jalen Sneed, we got to see him a little bit last year. Um, Obviously was the number one recruit in their class uh, two years ago. Um, But hopefully he's pushing for playing time. I mean, I think he might be with the idea that Jack Kaiser has sort of moved inside or at least is kind of doing uh, 
rope, you know, play, kind of cross training at both spots. But if Jalen Steed can sort of push Kaiser inside almost full time um, and be essentially a starter for Notre Dame, or at least have some sort of package coming off the edge or something like that. Um, I kind of want to see where they use him. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that doesn't play a whole lot during the game. Who knows? Um, but if I, I, I'm really intrigued by how they kind of use him. Are they going to only strictly use him at Rover? Or are they going to find different spots for him to, to kind of just pin his ear, pin his ears back and rush the passer? So um, we, we know what kind of athlete he is, and I just want to see it on display on Saturday. Yeah, both good calls there. And just one note on Ziegler. I think he's a guy, you know, we were both high on him, but I think he's a guy that's easy to root for. I don't know if people necessarily remember his recruitment, but when he announced his commitment, just showing like Notre Dame, like paintings and in this basement where he lifted and him like wearing, a, you know, like a costume for lack of a better term, I guess, of like for Halloween, always dressing up as a Notre Dame player. Like his yeah. dream was to play at Notre Dame. And those guys are very easy to root for um, guys that have been lo- lifelong. This is, this is their dream. And like seeing it come true for them is super cool. Not to mention we both got to interview him and he's a super cool kid as well. Just a guy mm-hmm. that's super easy to root for. Um, I'll get to my number one that I ruined um, Tobias <laughs> Merriweather. I want to see him make some plays. I want to see a couple touchdowns. He's got a, he's in line for a massive season and this is where it starts. I want to see the connection, whether it's Buckner or Hartman, I don't remember what team he got drafted to, but either way, whoever's throwing in the ball, I need to see Tuds, and I think we're going to get a couple. I like it. I like it. It's funny, man. We we had a lot of different lists. Um, I actually did not put Merriweather. I'm a little surprised that my number one is not in your list at all, and I'm, I'm you're probably surprised that Merriweather's not on my list at all, too. Um, but I ended up going with the freshman wide receivers. Um, I just kind of, again, I kind of lumped them together. I know I kind of cheated a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, you just cheated up and down. Hey, this thing. You cheated last week by saying insert any safety. So I figured I was okay. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, but uh, no, fr- I, I said the freshman receivers, I, I'm mostly talking about probably Rico Flores, a little bit of Jaden Greyhouse. I don't think James is going to have a huge impact at Notre Dame this season. I think in the future, obviously his impact will, will show, but, um, but yeah, and I mean, Rico Flores, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be fairly prominent for Notre Dame this year. I kind of want to see it. You know, we've only seen practice clips here and there, you know, similar to the Ziggler and the Anya, those guys have gotten a lot of talk and we just haven't really got to see a lot of it on the field yet. So if we can see Rico Flores really prove that he is a guy that should be on the field, maybe he beats Benjamin Morrison one time, or he beats, you know, Clarence Lewis, or, you know, I know Cam Hart's not playing in the game, but you know, if he beats like a, a Jaden Mickey or whoever it is that we already know can kind of play football at a high level at the collegiate, at the collegiate level, um, you know, that will, that will give us some confidence. I think going into the season that these freshmen can, can handle themselves. And then with great house um, would love to see maybe a package where he's in, you know, in the red zone using his big body and different things like that. And I think both guys can potentially have really good days if they, if they stay in when, you know, Minchie and um, you know, Angeli are, are, are throwing the football around. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, speaking of Minshew and Jelly, do you think we see all four? Do you think all four quarterbacks play? Oh yeah, I mean, I think, I, I honestly, I think Minshew and you know Angeli arguably play the most. Um, I'm really excited to see Minshew. I know everybody's always excited to see the new quarterback. I felt the same way about Angeli last year, and you could argue in a in a boring blue and gold game that Angeli was the MVP last year with a winning touchdown, sure. but. Um, something about it's like kind of losing his luster because Minchie's getting a lot of hype. So I'm excited to see how Angeli's improved. We didn't get to see him at all. 
last year, even though I was calling for him because Pine looked horrible. So excited to see how he improved during his first year at Notre Dame, see what kind of steps forward he made. And then I just want to see Minchie. Hopefully he feels like there's no pressure, man. Just go out there and rip it. Do your thing. For sure. For sure. And, and may, maybe Buckner plays a decent amount. I doubt Hartman plays a lot. Kind of happy. Neither of us put him on there, even though obviously we both really like him. Yeah. Um, I honestly had a feeling you were going to put him at number one and I was going to, we were going to have a little bit of an argument there, but <laughs> well, I'd be lying if I wasn't excited to see him, but yeah, I just figured he wasn't going to get a lot of snaps, but I, sure. I do hope, I mean, I don't know what this format's necessarily going to look like, but I hope that Freeman lets him at least get a series because there's a lot of right. people that'll be paying to like go into this blue and gold game and they want to see Sam Hartman at least like in uniform and throwing the ball around a little bit. So hopefully he gets a little bit, I mean, he'll be in a red Jersey. He's not going to be getting hit. Right. Well, and that, that was going to be my point with Buckner is that maybe you leave him in a little bit longer. Cause you know, that, you know, Hartman's, you know, the probable starter going into the season and, um, you know, and, and Buckner hasn't had a lot of playing time, obviously had the, you know, the, the up and down, but also MVP level uh, bowl game. And, you know, you'd like to see him maybe play a whole, you know, a whole half or whatever it is. And, you know, just stand in the pocket and throw and throw footballs versus, you know, running around and kind of doing that athleticism thing that he, that he's pretty good at. Right. So, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, Hartman, I almost snuck him in my top five just because, you know, like you said, I think you said this on a podcast a few weeks ago, just, you know, just going to be fun to see him in a blue and gold Jersey in that gold helmet and, you know, walking out of the tunnel or whatever it may be. So that, that that's the aspect I'm excited about with Hartman is just because he was such a big, big time you know, transfer recruit. So from that perspective, excited to see him more so than I am. I don't really care if he, if he could go one for three with two picks and it just wouldn't bother me. Cause I know, I know what kind of player he is. I would be bothered. <laughs> he would be bothered. Buckner season, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just can't have both quarterbacks throwing picks for fun. So one of them needs to figure it out, but I, I would, I mean, I'm really excited about both of these guys. I think, it's going to be an interesting dynamic moving forward throughout the season because I think both are just so talented, but they just they both offer just different skill sets. So I'm kind of curious to see what that that dynamic looks like for you know kind of throughout the year. For sure, for sure. I mean, I dude with the way Buckner's playing, man, or at least the, supposedly the way he's playing in camp, it would be awesome if they found some sort of role for him during the season just to keep him engaged. You know, if, if maybe they're struggling early on. I mean, which I don't think will happen, but let's just say they're struggling in the red zone. And they're in those first few weeks. So they give them sort of like this, you know, this gadget sort of role, even though it's, yeah, it's not utilizing the arm per se, but there is still that threat in there. I mean, you know, you look back to the game winning touchdown that he threw to Mitchell Evans, you know, that's a, that's a play that you can sort of throw in there when everybody thinks he might be coming in the red zone just to kind of run it, run it in or something like that with his, you know, with his athleticism and his power and different things like that. But then you kind of throw that in there and all of a sudden, you know, Holden stays is running in for a touchdown or something like that, you know, in game three um, or against Ohio State even or something like that. That would be kind of fun. So just to kind of keep him engaged. I mean, I think at this point, obviously, he's a guy that looks like he's staying at Notre Dame, um, though. Then again, you see these rumors of Alabama trying to pay off the the Miami QB. I don't know if you saw that. It looks, I like, did. It looks like they're trying to get Van Dyke from Miami. I'm not saying that. Bama's going to go do that with Buckner because he might not be the uh, have the experience that they're looking for to to kind of bring in for next season. But, you know, you just never know. Maybe Stanford comes calling or, or something like that. And, you know, he, he sees some, you know, legitimate playing time in that aspect. But I doubt it. 
And, but I just hope they are able to find a way to kind of keep him engaged throughout the season and prepare him for his probable starting role in 2024. Yeah, no doubt. You got to find something for him. He can't sit all year long, but am I hearing uh, Tommy Reese being slimy right now? Is that what's going on? You know, it might be less of Reese and just, you know, Alabama as a whole. So you're not going to see me trash Reese on this podcast, Mason. At least from your end, you won't. Um, (laughs) Nathan, you want to take us out of here? For sure. For sure. Obviously guys, as always follow us um, at the golden homers, we need more followers there. We're trying to get up to 500 to a thousand followers. I know a lot of you guys follow myself or Mason individually. A lot of you probably follow both of us. Um, You know, we put a lot of content out there, but definitely follow that page. Um, We want to start putting out more content on that page. Um, But when it doesn't get as many, what, what would you call it? as much interaction? It's, it's tough. Cause then we end up kind of resorting back to our pages to kind of make sure you guys are here. So follow the golden homers, follow Mason at Mason plumber, underscore, follow myself at Nathan underscore Erbach. As always, we represent the fanboys. Uh, follow our work there as well. Um, but yeah, Mason, I think that's it for today. Right, man. Yeah, I think so. Um, shoot me a text or a reply to this tweet. If you guys, are going to be uh, at the blue and gold game. I might be there. So I might see a couple of you there. Awesome. Yep. Saturday. And I think it's what streamed on Peacock. So yep. make sure you get your free, you know, your, your free seven, <laughs> seven days. If you're not one of the people that has it on a, on a regular basis, go get your free seven days and go from there. And, you know, hopefully we see some good things. So uh, go Irish. Yep. Go Irish.